0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and we are back. It has been way too long. We did not intend to take such a long break on this show after my maternity leave, and I feel bad. I just really didn't want to leave you guys hanging, and I'm sorry that that's what happened. But we are back today. We've been spending some time kind of discerning the future of this show The duties at my job just became a little bit too much to have time for this show. And we're like, what should we do next? Should we cancel it? Should we find somebody else to host? Should we take it in a new direction? And I'm really glad to say that we have found a perfect, wonderful person to take over hosting this show, who I'm going to introduce you to in a minute. But first, just like a little bit of update on me. If people are wondering, I have been back from maternity leave for several months now. Um, My son is now nine months old. He's wonderful. He's crawling all over the place, loving life. I'm just enjoying summer in Milwaukee. So things are good over here. And let's get on to talking about the future of the show. And we're going to spend this episode introducing you to the new host. So our new host is somebody that's been involved with Strong Towns for a long time. She has been writing for us for many years. She has been featured in our workshops and events, most recently at our national gathering. She's on our advisory board. And her name is Tiffany Owens-Reed, and we're so glad to have her. So Tiffany, welcome to the show. Welcome to your show. Thanks, Rachel. I'm really excited to be here. We are glad to have you. Just to start out, can you tell us a little bit about where you live, Waco, Texas? That's a good way to kind of get situated. What What is Waco like for those that aren't familiar with this place?
1: Sure. So I grew up moving a lot with my family and then moved to New York City for college and stayed there on and off for about a decade. And then three years ago, I moved to Waco, Texas, It's a small but growing city between Austin and Dallas. It's probably most famous for being the home of Baylor University and also the Magnolia Silos, which have been made famous by Chip and Joanna Gaines' TV show, Fixer Upper. We also have a SpaceX station here, which means you can sometimes hear rockets taking off and it feels like a little earthquake. So some fun facts about Waco's history. It really landed on the radar as a key player in the cotton industry was pretty successful. I've heard it was on track to grow to be almost as big as Dallas, but unfortunately, that growth was cut short by a really traumatic tornado in 1953 that destroyed tons of real estate downtown and killed more than 100 people. So that event combined with various urban renewal projects, sprawl, the construction of I-35, in nineteen fifty-seven just really set the city back, I think. And and I think the city's been trying to come back ever since then. There have been plenty of successes, but there are definitely still some challenges.
0: What are like some of the best things and what are some of the most challenging things that you see Waco experiencing, especially from a strong towns perspective?
1: Yeah. So going from Brooklyn to Waco was pretty Hard for me. Yeah, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah, I tell people all the time, I miss my bodegas with one-eyed cats and public transportation and street life. Street life is probably something I miss the most. Um, I definitely miss being able to walk and bike everywhere. So I would say some of the challenges I've noticed for Waco is definitely just a sense of connectivity. It's a small city, but surprisingly, it's very difficult to traverse the city without a car um, because so much of the city just feels really cut up by like three and four lane roads and a lot of stroads. I just think from a design perspective, there's definitely an opportunity to, to think about like how can we better connect all the neighborhoods to each other, the neighborhoods to downtown, connect people to the places they need to go because it really could be kind of a great example of maybe not a 15-minute city, but I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like Waco could pull it off. So that's been challenging. There's a lot of wasted land downtown. We spend a lot of our land on accommodating cars, many of which like to drive really fast and lots of huge parking lots. So I think there's an opportunity there to use some of our land more productively. But as I was thinking about this, what kind of came to me was just this idea that Waco really, I think, could do itself a great service by just kind of hunkering down on the small things, Um, things like code enforcement, things like traffic enforcement. We have a lot of really dangerous driving, lots of running red lights, building more sidewalks, planting more trees. Those are things that no politician probably wants to run on. But honestly, I feel like When I think about the things that frustrate me about Waco, it's usually a lot of really small things that I'm like, if we just invested in these, (laughs) uh, I think it would just go such a long way in setting us up for long-term success and also just being a more pleasant city that people can be even more proud of than they already are.
0: Yeah. The small bets.
1: Yeah, the small bets, and I think on the bright side, like Waco has been super receptive to people like me who aren't from Texas or from Waco getting involved in different conversations. So I've just I've experienced nothing but like just appreciation and encouragement as I've tried to figure out the best way to get involved in local conversations. I think in Brooklyn, uh, getting involved in local politics just felt way tougher. Like I felt like I had to be really influential, really connected, or have all the time and the money in the world to, to figure out where to participate. But in Waco, I've been really encouraged by how receptive and how easy it's been to figure out where the conversations are happening and and find small ways I can start to participate. So I, I really do appreciate that.
0: Yeah. I'm excited that you're going to be able to bring that like big city and smaller town perspective to the show because we have guests, who come from all sorts of sizes of communities. Yeah,
1: it's so funny. Because if I, if I had had my way, like the first year I was moving here, I was trying to figure out how to move to Europe. <laughs> I wanted to go to grad school in Europe and study. And, and it's just kind of funny because now looking back, I'm like, honestly, I feel like living in Waco has probably done more for my education about cities than moving to an even more urban place, you know, going from like New York to something like Copenhagen or Spain or something like that. Yeah. I really have just been really grateful. It's been a super difficult experience, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I would have had an opportunity to gain the insights that I've, that I've been able to gain if I hadn't lived here. So, um, that's something that I try to remind myself to be really thankful
0: for. What brought you to Waco and what have you been working on and involved in on the professional side, at least these past few years?
1: Well, it will always remain a mystery what brought me to Waco. (laughs) Technically, I just sort of like decided to move there for a mid-career theology program with a, a church that my friend was going to. She was living there. She had done the program. And I was just, I don't know what happened, Rachel. I was going for a walk and suddenly, for whatever reason, I was in Idaho visiting a friend. This program popped in my head out of nowhere and I just I don't know what happened, but I suddenly it was like the best idea ever to like move to Texas for this program. It started in a week. Like I had literally a week to apply, interview, get accepted, move and get there. <laughs> so I think I like, yeah, submitted the application on a Monday and I was landing in Austin. My friend is picking me up like that Friday. So that was like the technical reason why I moved here. I wanted to do this program. It was really compatible with also working part time. So I thought it'd just be a nice change from the city and Uh, Give me a chance to kind of think about some of life's bigger questions, like philosophy and theology and stuff like that. And then I kind of think I got stuck, (laughs) which surprisingly, people in Waco, they kind of talk about this being a phenomenon with people moving there and then not being able to really get out. Uh, So I'm not the first person to... to have this kind of experience or feel this way. I thought I would stay for another year at least to do some writing about the city because I didn't want to be the kind of person who just left a place because it was really difficult. Like it was really difficult. I won't lie about that. But even when the program ended and I had no reason to really stay, I was like, you know, I do have some really great people here. I'm getting to know maybe it would be really valuable for me to kind of just see what this, what I can learn from staying here and investing in these friendships and also just kind of taking a minute to, to, to just reflect on life and what I want to do next and, and try to channel all of my anger in a more productive way. Like maybe I can do something with all of this frustration. And I thought maybe I would start writing. So I did do that. I did not achieve other goals. One of which was to stay fabulously single. I ended up getting married
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm funny how life works.
1: I know. It's funny how when you make plans, you know what they say. But I think this is way more fantastic than being fabulously single. So yeah, I married a philosopher who's from Waco and we have lots of great conversations. He's a professor, a lecturer at Baylor now. And yeah, so I do write for Strong Towns, which has been such a wonderful opportunity that's One of my biggest professional projects, um, but I'm kind of a full-time freelancer. So I write for Strong Towns. Now I'm doing the podcast. I also do some marketing and writing and ops consulting for different um, organizations. I really love being a freelancer. I think it's a lot of fun. And then I run my own project, Cities Decoded, uh, which is an online educational platform where I make content to help people, ordinary people, understand cities so they can become more involved in the conversation shaping them. And if you're interested in that, you can find out more at CitiesDecoded.org. Um, so those are those are my projects uh, from the professional side right now.
0: Yeah, and I'm remembering that we had you on the show a couple of years ago when and talked about that project, Cities Decoded, and it's awesome that it's still. Up and running? Like, what's the latest thing you've been doing with that?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I just created a whole new set of resources called 101 Guides, which you can download for free. If you go to the website, then click on free resources. There are three free resources right now. There is the City Discovery Toolkit, which features eight steps you can take to get to know your city better. There's a Meaningful Action Toolkit, which you can complete the worksheets to help you discover a more clear idea of how you can contribute to your city in a way that aligns your strengths, interests, and capacity with your city's needs. And then the third free resource is a collection of 101 guides to some of the biggest topics you might hear city people, like professional city people talking about. Um, That one I just finished not too long ago, so that is also available for download. Those are free. I've been testing some uh, coaching, just working with people one-on-one who want to be more involved in their city, but they aren't sure where to start. So I'll be adding that to the site soon more like in beta mode, if if folks want to work with, uh, just have someone to kind of help them sort out their thoughts and and carve out a plan of action and some smart goals around civic engagement. So that's new. And yeah, I'm constantly trying to think of more things. (laughs) So if you have ideas, you can send me an email.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking back to that previous episode that we did a few years ago. And I remember one of your big focuses, Foci, was uh, paying attention to your city and just like going for a walk or taking those really small steps that just help you notice what's going on. And I think that's such a good fit for what this show, Bottom-Up Revolution, is all about. Like, yes, it's about the big revolution of Strong Towns, but it's also about, like, just paying attention to what's happening in your city and saying, okay, what do I need to do? What's my role in changing that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love the Meaningful Action Toolkit. Um, That actually came out of a Strong Towns event that – I was lucky to be part of. It was a remote. I think it was one of the um, locomotive tours. And I was giving a little a panel for that. And out of that conversation, I got inspired to create this resource. But yeah, I think sometimes for people who love cities, it's really easy to get overwhelmed by how complicated and um, professional everything feels like, oh, this is this is for the professionals to fix or the politicians like it can feel kind of out of reach for ordinary people. But I think one reason why this show is so valuable is because we're hoping to tell stories of people who are modeling what it looks like to discover meaningful actions that you can take, um, right in your neighborhood, right on your street. Um, and just kind of recover this. I am um, just recover the role that ordinary people used to play in cities and we can still play in cities. Like it's not just for the professionals, And the experts and the politicians and the city staffers, right? It's also the domain of ordinary citizens. And I think it'll be really fun to uh, talk to people who are modeling that. And hopefully they can help us find our own personal pathways of participation in our communities too.
0: Yeah, that's a great segue into what I was going to ask you next, which is what are you looking forward to about hosting the show? What are some of your hopes and goals?
1: Yeah, well, really, I'm super excited to talk to people and hear their stories. Um, I think people might think that since I'm associated with Strong Towns, I figured out how to be really involved in my community. (laughs) Surprise, I haven't. Not yet. Um, I'm still working on it. I'm still experimenting and thinking through different things. So I actually am excited to, to be the number one learner to really learn from the people that I interview. And hopefully they'll help me answer some of my questions around things like, okay, you know, how do I stay motivated? How do I get going? How do I fight through resistance? How do I find good people to collaborate with? What are some of the nuts and bolts around different different things that I'm interested in that I want to improve? Like, let's say I want to bring traffic calming to a, a residential street. I, I understand the, the, the logic and the thinking and the strong towns philosophy behind why that's important, but sometimes the nuts and bolts for how to actually get started, I think it's easy to get lost in that. Side of things, so I'm really hoping that our guests can help demystify the process of going from observing to caring to acting. I think a lot of us observe and a lot of us care, but sometimes the making the jump from caring to acting can feel really scary and intimidating, and a lot of us might get stuck there. Um, so I'm really hoping that the stories we hear, I hope they help me personally feel a little less stuck with wanting I want to make Waco better, but sometimes I'm not sure where to start. And I also hope that the stories can help our audience feel a little less stuck and uh, just more empowered with doing with finding one small thing that aligns with their strengths, and their talents and their capacity and, and taking that first step to make their city better.
0: I feel like you're already making the show your own and we haven't even gotten started yet for for the listeners' benefit, you know Tiffany and I have been chatting back and forth for the last few weeks about kind of handing over the reins and like technical stuff about how to do the show. but also Tiffany has just been bringing in so many of her ideas and thoughts and questions about, what sort of guests to have, what sort of questions to ask. And I feel I already know that you're going to make this like an even better show than it was for the last few years. So I can't wait.
1: Well, I have, it's a tall order as I have um, some shoes to fill, but yeah, I I'm really excited about it and really hoping that we can add value to our listeners.
0: So we had already brainstormed some guest ideas. Me and several strong towns coworkers are got a big list of ideas and we're sending them to you. But what about if people are listening and they have some guest ideas, maybe pent up ideas from the last several months of waiting for a new episode to come out? How can they share those with you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, We made a form that our fans can fill out I meant to grab the URL Rachel and I got you am not sure that I have it
0: it's okay so go to strongtowns.org slash guest suggest and yeah there's a little form there you can fill out and give your submissions, we would love to hear.
1: Please tell us about people you know, even if it's yourself, if you're working on um, something interesting in your city uh, to help make it more beautiful, safer, more resilient. We would love to hear about the projects and potentially follow up for a conversation. That URL again is strongtowns.org slash guest suggest. I had suggest a guest. That was close, but not quite accurate.
0: (laughs) Yeah so i want to ask just a couple more questions so people can get to know you a little bit more one is like outside of you know professional stuff What do you do for fun in your life?
1: Well, I'm getting ready to become a mom. So um, my husband and I are having our first in September. So that's going to be new. I love to be active. I'm still figuring out the ropes on how to do that outdoors in Waco because it's so hot right now. Um, But yeah, love to be active. I love to learn French. And I was working on pottery. I was taking pottery classes from a lady at my church who has since um, moved away, but I'm excited to figure out some new ways to continue learning how to throw and um, refining my sourdough baking. I just love to cook in general, but yeah, I've figured out how to make sandwich style sourdough and I think I'm ready to tackle just the classic bowl style. Yeah. Those are some things I enjoy doing for fun. Um, But yeah, with the new life change and taking on this new role of becoming a mom, it'll be interesting to see, what new things come to the surface?
0: Yeah. How are you thinking about your city and your your neighborhood and your community in new ways as you anticipate um, being a parent soon?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's been a big deal. <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say and write about this. I, I wrote this piece for Strong Talents. It's probably one of the, my favorite pieces I've ever written. So it's based on the book, Pattern Language, A Pattern Language. As I was working through the book, I was like, man, what's so interesting is to think about how the pattern of our cities shapes the pattern of our lives. And so as we're getting ready for this big life change, you know, I'm thinking through, like, how is the design of Waco going to shape what's feasible for my husband and I, just in terms of, like, getting around, like, finding, you know just like we share a car right now. So, and where we live, like we can't really get to anything without using the car. So like that was immediately a big question. I was like, okay, what is this going to look like? Because you have to be on campus. I still plan, you know, I still have my projects. I plan to keep on doing, but we also have a child. So it's just really made us kind of look at the city from the perspective of like pattern more closely and think about a lot of the trade-offs that Sprawled out urban design asks us to make, and it, it is really frustrating to be honest. Um, it is frustrating that where we live, I can't take, I can't really even take walks because there aren't that many sidewalks. Even just taking a walk will require a car if we really want to be in a safe area. There are a lot of things like that where I'm just kind of thinking through, like, okay, this is going to be different, and and I'm going to really feel. I'm going to feel the pattern of my city differently than I did without a child. And I'm sure there'll be so much to notice and so much to think about both in terms of, yeah, just opportunities for kind of rethinking cities for for people and all the variety of lifestyles and needs and ages of people that our cities contain and really thinking about why don't we take a step back and kind of rethink the status quo? Like how does being a car-based city affect life for a young mom or a young set of parents, like a young family? And I think if we could just start asking those questions, it might be interesting to see what opportunities emerge. But yeah, and then there are just other things like connectivity and the ability to access friends easily. Like obviously there's lots of people at our church and just people that we know that I'm sure uh, we can count on for help. It's not lost on me that most of them I can't really get to again like without a car and they can't get to me without a car. So I'll have lots of thoughts on this, I'm sure, but I think for now trying to balance what I'm sure will be definitely some frustrations with trying to look for the creative opportunities as well um and ways that we can still uh work with what we have and and enjoy what we do have while we while we hope for things to maybe be better.
0: Yeah. I hear that. I have definitely also been becoming more aware of what is or is not walkable from my house because definitely doing a lot more walking around with the stroller now that I have a baby and I'm in like a decently walkable neighborhood with sidewalks and stuff. But even like there's a grocery store that's not too far away, but the walk itself, you have to like go under a highway and next to a really busy street. And it's like, okay, technically this is walkable, but this is like really not pleasant or Safe. There's like no shade, so yeah, you just become aware of things in a new light. Yeah, and more more aware of like what your
1: environment is asking you for, to. You like more aware of the trade offs that your city is asking you to make. You know, I think we we already have trade offs that we're making, now, but I think once you add in a child, like you just become even more sensitive to those trade offs because because every little thing costs more now, right? In terms of either time or like my husband and I having to like adjust our schedules or how we're going to get different things done in a day, right? Coming from New York City, where I also worked as a nanny on and off, I saw just like a totally different model there where because of different design decisions, different pattern of the city, like you had to make trade-offs, but they were not as costly, I don't think. And there just was a lot more freedom of movement and like a ton more things to do, which I know is not fair to compare Waco to New York and then like complain about why they can't have like a million mommy and me options. <laughs> and like, you know, tons of cafes I can go to whenever I feel like it, but I do think there I I do think it's it's worth thinking about like the unique experience of becoming a mom. What moms need And then kind of thinking about those needs in the context of the built environment. And I think if we started doing that for for various groups of people, we would realize like there's an infinite list of ways we can be doing, we can be making our cities more hospitable to all kinds of people, including moms.
0: Well, I'm excited for more of those insights to emerge through your writing and podcasting over the the coming months. After this episode, Tiffany's going to take over as our host She's getting some guests and interviews ready now. Yeah, I'm excited for her to be off to the races. As always, for listeners, if you want to support what we do at Strong Towns, if you want to support this show, please become a member by visiting strongtowns.org membership. Any amount of donation is super helpful. And with that, we will be back soon in a week or two with Tiffany's inaugural episode. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks for taking on hosting, Tiffany.
1: <laughs> thanks, Rachel. Thanks for this opportunity. I'm, I'm really excited.